At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of The Promised Land, a Manchester United podcast brought to you by 90min and sponsored by our friends at Pro Prep. I'm Scott Saunders, joined once again by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. Remember to subscribe to our show. We're on Apple, Spotify and Google Pods and follow us on Twitter. You can follow us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promised Land MU. Rob, it's a new era at Manchester United. Uh, Ralph Rangnick is in. He is in the dugout. How are you feeling about it? I feel good. It's a new day, isn't it? And it feels like there's something to look forward to. So the stagnation, I think, that we felt through the start of the season with the, the end days of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, it feels like that's all fallen away now. Busy Christmas period to come. Lots of good games for Man United. And I think the first signs of what we've seen on the pitch from Ralph Ranick have been really, really positive. Absolutely. Uh, we'll dig into... Our first impressions of Ralph and his, uh, I've written in the notes, Ralph ball. That's not going to catch on, is it? First impressions of Ralph and what style of football he's playing. How is he coming across to the fans, other journalists, uh, potentially other managers as well? It's a, it's a breath of fresh air, I think. Uh, we'll look at his tactical implementations and his style of play. Players who might benefit from the system that he's playing. Uh, there's a bit of Ronaldo chat and a bit of chat as well on Diogo Dallo. Alex Tellez, Luke Shaw and Aaron Wan-Bissaka towards the end. And we'll look ahead to the fixtures that are coming up because Manchester United are through in the Champions League in first place. Uh, we're recording this prior to the Young Boys game, but that's pretty much a write-off where I think no matter what the result, it will not be the same team that you will see at the weekend. But how have you, Rob, you were there for the first game at Old Trafford uh, against Crystal Palace on Sunday. And... The first 30 minutes was really impressive, perhaps what we might be expecting to see a little bit a little bit moving forward. But what were your first impressions of from what you've seen so far? Well, what you what have you seen in there that has really impressed you? I, I wasn't expecting any kind of miracle, but what I was expecting to see was some organization and some pressing. And that's what we got. So, you know, Randy could have 45 minutes with the team essentially on a training pitch to go and get stuff done to kind of show the guys what he wanted. But the most important thing is that he had extra time with them in terms of video work. And I think you could see that. You could see that the intelligence factor with football is that with, with players, you have to sell systems to them. You have to say, this is why I want you to do it, because this is the benefit. And against Palace, a team who've played a really good high-energy system this year, 4-3-3, pushing through the lines really quickly, getting up to the top end of the pitch to Zaha, 
all of those lanes there have always been a, a, a big plus for Palace in their matches this season. What did United do? They closed it all down. So I was really impressed in that first 30 minutes to see that. And I wasn't expecting to really see a replication in the second half because when you're playing that energy game, you get knackered, you get tired. You know, these are human beings. So for them to be able to, I'd say, do it effectively for 60 minutes overall, because I think that was more the consensus. That's That was kind of how successful it was. And then managing the last part of the game, I was happy with that. You know, I was glad to see that that was the intention. What I didn't want to see was maybe some repetition of volleyball, you know, of 4-2-3-1, of getting deeper and scared. You know, United did well against Chelsea for a certain period. And what happened? They got scared. They went back, they went back, they went back. There was none of that in this game. And I do think now the the, the wider squad is going to become vitally important to Ranić because to be able to do this running game and this pressing game and game pressing, you need the whole squad. What you need fitness, you need substitutes, you need to maintain it throughout 90 minutes, week by week by week. So, really happy, so happy that he just immediately put his fingerprints all over Manchester United. That's what I saw, and I want to see more. You touched on the squad there, Rob. Uh, we, we've seen already that, and we'll touch on this a little bit later on. As I mentioned earlier, the fullbacks debate is moving forward. We've seen Diogo Dallo and Alex Tellez play a couple of games and they've done quietly quite well. I think it might suit them a little bit. And they both come in with decent reputations from the Portuguese league, uh, but haven't really had a chance because Luke Shaw and Aaron Wan-Bissaka have pretty much nailed the spots down on either side for the duration of Ollie's last 18 months or whatever, uh, or forever, as long as Alex Tellez has been there, you know, uh, but he hasn't really had a chance. We will... When you play in this energetic style of play, it does seem like, and Ralph has talked about this, he would like to have or utilize players who are in, on their first or second contract because the hunger's there, the fitness is there and all this kind of stuff. They feel like the players that he would be able to mold easily uh, rather than a player in the later, later end of their career. And we'll speak about Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, that was a little uh, touch on him there, but we'll speak, on, we'll speak on him in detail a little bit later on. But, you know, we've seen... I, I do think we'll see a, a lot of rotation. And you mentioned that earlier on. It's going to be crucially important in this time of year as well, because United have, what is it? I think about 13, 14 fixtures uh, in the next, well, in the Premier League in the next uh, couple of months, but it's already jammed together. Now, I did notice, I was looking at the calendar and United actually do have nine days off over Christmas or something close to that. They play Brighton on the 18th and Newcastle on the 27th. And it's actually quite, it's not too bad for them. I've seen Christmas schedules before. I think I've, I've seen Leicester are playing on Boxing Day or just after. They're playing Liverpool and Man City back-to-back, which is pretty much as bad as it can get with one day's rest. United aren't that unlucky in that sense. They've, they've got uh, games against Norwich, Brentford, Brighton, Newcastle, Burnley, Wolves and Aston Villa in the Cup and then back in the league moving forward into mid-January. Uh, I think maybe the fact that they're out of the League Cup will end up benefiting them uh, in this next few weeks. But, you know, Ralph has still got to use his squad. And I think that was one of the big criticisms of Oli as well, is that he didn't, he perhaps trusted the players that he used all the time a little too much and didn't have trust in the players who were outside the circle. Uh, How do you, 
Is there any particular player, Rob? I know we spoke about this in, in a sense last week and Fred really excelled against Palace, but is there anybody else that really jumps out at you that you think, ooh, you know, I really fancy them to come good in this system? Well, I think, you know, as several, Ralph has spoken already about youth and how he likes to put players forward and how he likes to kind of bring them on and what he likes to rely on. I do think that those fringe players from the the more the, the youth set up and the B team are the ones who are going to pay dividends. So you look at someone like Alanga, you look at someone like Ahmed. I think with Alanga, when he came on, it was quite evident that playing in that 4-2-2-2 system and playing up top with an older player really suited Alanga. So Alanga can kind of rely on that player's experience, can work together in pairs, but he can go and do a lot of the running and he's absolutely as quick as they come. So I think that if, you've, if you're a high energy player and you can run, you're going to benefit. On the flip side, I think someone like Wan Mata might struggle. So this, this, this is the kind of way of looking at it. It's, it's also about the demeanor of the player. What are they good at? And what are they not good at? And what's their natural talents and their abilities? Uh, I think with United, there is, there's plenty of energy in the squad. It just needs to be unlocked. So one of the things you said there about, about rest and the games to come, it's quite evident that when we looked at the stats for the Palace game, Manchester United actually ran less. They ran less against Palace than they ran in previous weeks. So a lot of this is down to efficiency. This is about doing the job properly. And we've talked about this on this show before. And I've talked about this all season long, about how do you make sure your team is efficient? So when you go out every week, you're doing the right things. And you look at the squad, there are plenty of players. Someone like Jesse Lingard, if he remains at the football club, Jesse Lingard is going to work in a 4 Of course he is. Perfect for him. Does Jesse Lingard work in a 4 Well, maybe not, because he's maybe a little bit too deeper, maybe a little bit too wide. All of these little nuances count. So I think Ranić will will take the squad and take this kind of all these moving parts and he'll find a way because I don't think he will compromise on his systems. And that's what I think you need. You need He's talked also about making pl- uh, a system fit players, but that's a little bit of sleight of hand. Like that's not really true. What he has is his own systems, three or four of them, and he's going to make those players fit those systems. And then it's, it's all about, having that kind of tan- tangible elements, I think, within the, within the system. So I think that we saw that Ronaldo worked really well in the 4 that's, that's his job. His job there is to say to Ronaldo, I've got to get the best out of you. So this system works. This is what I've done for many, many years. Let's take it together and let's develop it. So I think we'll see a lot more of that. We might also see a little bit, Scott, of like hit or miss. So we might see some systems or some changes or some selections where we all go, ooh, that's not good. Because we have to expect that. He's only been at the football club for like two minutes. So there might be mistakes. But I'm willing to go on that journey because you've got a good run of games. You've got a set of opponents that you can beat. But they have to hit the ground running as well. You might need to start accumulating points, climbing the table, because that's what it's all about. You mentioned there about potentially different systems and the 4-2-2-2. Do you think that system there obviously we're recording this ahead of the young boys game so we haven't seen what he's going to do in that game but it does seem like ahead of the game it does seem as though he's going to stick with it but maybe just change the personnel a little bit do you think that's the way he will that will be his primary system moving forward in the i think future? for yeah look i think four two 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 suits the premier league 
Yeah, because it allows you to go and hunt in packs. It allows you to close down space. It allows you to kind of have a cohesion that players understand. So if you've got two midfielders playing as the sixes, two midfielders playing as the tens, two forwards playing together, you can say go and hunt in packs, go and play on the trigger. Yeah, so there's trigger points to go and stop the opponent. That works in the Premier League with 4-2-2-2. I do think he'll play 4-3-3 at times because those two systems are not massively different. It just means that the personnel have to suit 4-3-3 in terms of the workload. So I think that we'll see 4-3-3 manifest itself now and then. It's a system that he does like to play. He's also talked a lot about one of his protégés, you know, one of the people he's worked with, Jurgen Klopp, and how 4-3-3 has worked in the Premier League for Liverpool. So I think he will look at that and he'll think, hmm, can I do that? Can I implement that in my team? I think the answer to that is yes. But I do think the default system will be 4-2-2-2 to start off with. Because I think if you're if you're going to play Cristiano Ronaldo, and let's be honest, he hasn't got any choice. He, he can't drop Ronaldo just off the edge of a cliff and, and carry on. He has to use him somehow, whether it be as a high-functioning player from the bench or a starter. But it's more similarly going to be a starter, isn't it? The idea here is that you must find a partner for Cristiano up top. So I think that that's the debate at the moment. I think it's Cristiano plus one. I think most fans will say it's Cavani, but I don't know if Cavani is going to be at the club after January. There's lots of talk that that maybe his time has come and gone already. But then I think you need someone next to Ronaldo who is high energy. And I think you could make a case for Alanga or Ahmed. You know, these two guys who are completely on the peripheral. But if they do the running, let's say like Marcus, you know, Marcus Rashford struggled in the Palace game because he's just not fit still. And once he gets fit, then you can make that judgment on Marcus and can he do the press? But those other two young guys, they can do depression. Like you said, you know, first contract syndrome. You say to these boys, I'm going to believe in you. You need to go out there and do all this dirty hard work with Cristiano. Are you up for it? I get a feeling they will be. I think they'll be fine. And they'll be like, yeah, I'd love to partner the greatest player of all time at the top of the pitch for Manchester United. You mentioned there, Rob, about the 4-3-3. Do you feel as though... United do have the personnel for that because we've seen different players try to sit in the anchor role and United have been one of the first players United were linked with and since Ragnik came in was a holding midfielder, uh, Amadou Haidara from RB Leipzig. We are less than a month away from the January transfer window and there has been discussion that United could actually venture into the market. I think, as Ragnik has said early on, there's not a lot of value in it, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but... You wouldn't be surprised because that has been a position that's needed to be addressed for a long time. But Scott McTominay and Fred have the appropriate energy for that. But I think Fred's benefited a little bit more from higher up the pitch. Uh, do you feel like there's somebody or there's a, a potential hole there? Is there any players in the squad that you could see filling that or do they need to address the area? I don't think there's a hole because I think, again, with 4-3-3, what's important is that the three midfielders work together as a unit, as a pressing unit, and close down the space on that counter-press. That's ex- essentially what, what Gagan pressing is. It's to be able to counter-press the opposition's counter-attack. So that's what you do. So I don't think that Fred, even Matic, McTominay, I don't think any of those guys have got a problem. To be able to play 4-3-3 successfully, you have to play with a false nine. That's what you have to do. Man United essentially have got three false nines in their team ready-made. Bruno Fernandes, Donny van der Beek, and Juan Mata. All three of those players are purpose-built to play that role if Ranić wants to play 4-3-3. So I think this is why we will start to see it a little bit more. 
and you've got to have someone who can who can drop out of the front line and join the dots from midfield to attack. United have got all these bits. So they're all there. It's just a case of making them work together. United have never done this on the Solskjaer. They've never played a false nine system. And when they wanted to play 4-3-3, it was always a squashed version. It wasn't a, a real 4-3-3 like Liverpool play it, a modern version. No Gagan pressing, no counter pressing, none of that stuff. It was all kind of like done on the fly. It never felt like it had been practiced or done on a training pitch. I get the feeling... Ralph Ranick will do that. I think he will take it to the training pitch and he'll make that work. Yes, United do need another midfielder in there, but no, I don't particularly believe you're going to get that player in January who completely transforms the season. You think about when Bruno Fernandes came in January, United were crying out for someone who was going to bring creativity, but stats, goals, assists, all of that stuff. And Bruno brought it with spades. He did it and he helped United massively. I don't know whether the issue at the moment now is looking at defensive midfield. Because I think if you're going to play 4-2-2-2, you've got the players to do that. If you're going to play 4-3-3, you've got false nines, you can do that. That's not the most pressing issue. I think it's more important now that the coach just coaches his players and allows his high-functioning United team to go out there and be the best version that they can be. Attention, parents and students. We have an incredible exclusive offer from our friends at ProPrep. This is the perfect study tool for university students undertaking science, technology, engineering, or maths-related modules. It can halve your study time. ProPrep provides bite-sized videos relevant to the module or course, which can be accessed from any device at any time. It has already helped over 500,000 students pass their exams. They provide customized STEM study tools that match your syllabus. Long lectures are condensed into short and clear video tutorials. And after the videos, you can go through to what you've just learned with interactive exercises and practice questions, so you'll be ready. You can even submit questions to the ProPrep professors and receive a video answer within 24 hours. ProPrep created a special offer just for our listeners. All you need to do is go to their website, proprep.uk forward slash info forward slash football for more information. And our listeners can sign up for a free 30-day trial now. No credit card information required. That's P-R-O-P-R-E-P dot U-K slash info slash football. ProPrep, the ultimate study tool. Rob, we're back. How is Ralph Ranick coming across to the fans? Now, he's, been, he's done a lot of press conferences. He's, he's quite charming, actually, I think. He's, he's quite... I, I like listening to him. I've, I've always like, I'll always seek out a manager press conference to see what they say, but you know, not to criticize Ollie because I think he did a lot of good work, but it was always, Oh, you know, we just got to really fight for it. We got to show the right commitment and the heart and all this stuff and we'll be fine. Whereas Ralph has come in and straight away it's, it's like, okay, no, this is where we need to improve. I didn't think our, performance against Chelsea for certain times was very good. I watched the Liverpool game and the Man City game and we were awful, effectively. We have a lot to work on. We haven't kept a clean sheet in X amount of months and against Crystal Palace, he managed to do that. So I, I've, I quite enjoyed listening to him because he does bring a different perspective. Uh, he actually talks a lot of sense. How, how is, what impression has he made on you, Rob? Oh, a huge impression, but this is, goes back way before he got this job. So, you know, what we know about Ralph Ranić is that he is an intelligista. You know, he's a guy who knows his football, understands the scientific side of the game, has tactics in abundance, knows how to manipulate 
what's going on in a football pitch. So you just said there about Ole, and it's like it isn't a kind of slant at Ole or kind of having a go at him. But Ole was a maintenance coach in 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 the public and to the media and to the fans. So as you said, he he would you know if there was a fire there. Ole's job was to kind of put the fire out by being calm and bringing it down. I don't think Ranić will do that. I think if Ranić sees a problem on the football pitch, he'll talk about it openly. He'll say this is not working, so I'm going to try this. Kind of a bit what Klopp and Pep do. You know, Klopp and Pep shoot from the hip, don't they? But they do it, I think, in football terms. They're, they're generally constructive with their players. They still look after the players in the media and all of that, and I think that's good. And I think Randnick will be that coach. You know, he's 63 years old. He's not boy. You know, this is, he's a man. He knows what he's supposed to do. He knows how to look after teams. And I think also for Ranić, this is a huge opportunity for him. You know, this is a little bit of a dress rehearsal to say that, yes, Ralph, you're the professor. You've got this big reputation in football. Now you've got the opportunity to translate that into victories and trophies at one of the biggest clubs in the world. So he's come across really well to me. And he was always my first choice. You know, when we talked about all of the, the names out there, there's different elements and different positives of all of them. But I wanted someone who was in seriously going to take Manchester United on as an intellectual challenge to take the tactics, to fix them and to push this squad forward. There are other coaches out there who were very good and I advocated quite a few of them. But for me, Ranić was number one because I think that he's the guy that's got all those tools to do the job. But now it's the, the proof's going to be in the pudding, isn't it? We need to see it on the football pitch. And I've said this repeatedly over the last couple of weeks that everything is about the eye test on a football pitch. At Palace, we saw that they can do it. Now they need to do it again and again and again and again. And that's how you become champions. You know, when you see Man City, the beauty of Manchester City and both the horror as a Manchester United fan is that they do everything repetitively over and over again. It's a golf swing. That's how you work it in sport. And I want to see that with United now. I want to see these players rise to the challenge and do that press week in, week out and go and hurt opponents. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it is it is really refreshing to have one of the finest minds. And he's long been hailed that, even, even before he was linked with United. He's long been held up as this, you know, revolutionary in a sense and somebody who's developed some of the world's best coaches and either put them on the right path, like uh, Thomas Tuchel, I know, I think gave him his first, uh, his first real job in football coaching. So really uh, important to... Take this step. I think I think that's the important thing that United have finally recognised whoever it was. I think John Murta was the one of the driving forces behind this appointment. But it's really refreshing to actually know that the club seem to be on the same page as the fans and realizing, okay, with we understand now this has kind of been lacking for a while. And Ranyet's got a hell of a job to do. He's got a lot to figure out. Uh, in six months, he's already alluded to potentially taking the job on longer. And I think a lot has been made of that. Uh, but no, I think if you actually listen to what he said at the time or you read it back, it, well, he wasn't saying that, I, don't, I didn't sense to me that it was a power grab. It wasn't like, oh, I really want this job. I would love to be in this job for this amount of time. It was more of a, if we feel like we need to do the work to get the team right, I'll stay. How did, how did that come across to you? I think that, Obviously, when he's tried to explain himself about why he's coming to Manchester United, you know, he's been very erudite about it, quite kept it simple. And he said, you know, Manchester United, biggest club in the world, you know, one of them, opportunity for me to coach here is huge. 
I've been a coach for 90% of my career. So that's kind of who I am. That's my profile. And I think what he tried to add on to that is that obviously with the, the deal that he signed as a consultant, which is still a very, very vague term, it, it seems to now be a case that he's not going to be a sporting director or anything like that. As you said, Murto will carry on doing that role. But he might then leave the football club in six months and kind of remotely consult. I'm not really interested in that. I don't think that helps Manchester United hugely. I think if he's successful in the next six months, give him the job. He is an elite coaching mind. And he's shown at other football clubs with much less players. But I'm talking, talking in terms of quality. You know, he's had teams that are unfashionably not particularly good at what they do and he's made them better I think United need a little bit of that I think the key though Scott is that the beast of Manchester United the behemoth of running this football club something that that uh, Louis van Gaal used to talk about a lot and saying that you just do not have time to coach at this football club there's too many commitments you've got to sit in front of a camera you've got to do press conference after press conference in 10,000 10, different languages every week and it's a lot to take on and it stops you coaching that's what Ranić has to solve because he's never faced that you know he's always been able to be the guy in the shadows and be able to to fix things on the quiet with players he can't do that at united everything here is about cristiano it's about bruno it's about superstars you know you have to find a way so i personally you know if it goes well in the next 6 months forget pochettino forget brendan rodgers forget zidane forget everyone on the list forget ten hag I would like Ranić to give it a go. He's 63. He's not old. Now, again, people are saying, oh, he's an old guy. He's not old. He's ready for this challenge. I think he's mature. And he could be at Manchester United for many years to come. But we've got to see it on the pitch. You know, that everything, reputation means nothing unless you prove it. And that's what it comes down to. We want trophies. He's going to have to deliver trophies. Eric Ten Hag, as you mentioned there, guiding Ajax to a perfect six out of six uh, Champions League group win. Uh, which is quite impressive. Uh, he has been, his name's come to the fore a little bit more over the past week or so. But I mean, you're right there, Rob. I think Rannick has a job to do. And if it looks to be going in the right direction, this, I don't think if they were to do the same thing as they did with Ollie this time, it wouldn't necessarily be based on emotion this time. Uh, whereas I think that one was, wasn't it? Do you know what? I don't think it was. No, no. I think with Ollie, you've got to remember the first 20 games were sensational. They were out of this world. Yeah. When he came in, we watched a broken football team rise from the ashes like resurrection it was like a phoenix from the flames and for those 20 games it was great and then he got the job and then it was absolutely dire so i don't think it was just on emotion i think we can look back now and say that see, i don't believe that edward would or the board make make any decisions on emotions they've got no emotions they, they have no idea about football <laughs> they just look at results so they go 20 games you played really well you get the job that's kind of how they looked at it. Ole was an easy in as, as much as he was an easy out. You know, at the end of the day here, he was easy to blame. You know, you bring Ronaldo into the football club, it doesn't work, blah, 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 blah. You don't blame Cristiano. You don't blame the players. You blame Ole. He gets sacked. He's gone. I, I, I don't think it was, I don't think it was an emotional decision, but I think with Ranić, he will have to prove himself in the sense that he's still pretty much an unknown in English football to to the wider Manchester United demographic. You know, there's still United fans who are saying, prove it. And I think that's fine. You know, I think he has to prove it and show that he can make this team better through strategy, because that's not what we've seen for a while. Van Gaal had strategy, Mourinho had strategy. Neither of them got it right. You know, the football was turgid. 
So Ranić needs to show that he can play both good football, high energy football, entertain all of us, win trophies, and kind of be the perfect manager. That's what Man United fans are desiring. But at least I think he's got the tools, and I don't think Solskjaer ever really had them. Yeah, I'm with you there. Will, um, you mentioned high energy football, uh, and we did touch on Cristiano Ronaldo a little bit earlier. But one thing that we pointed out before we started recording today was that Ronaldo has essentially moved away from moving smart, which is that's the way that he's become the player that he has in the last few years by moving smart, picking his moments, often to the detriment of the team around him, perhaps, uh, especially in the last few years. The big criticism of him, of him at Juventus was that he was only there to score goals and he didn't do much more than that. And that criticism has also been levelled at him over the course of this season at United. So he's moved away from moving smart. You were there for his first game as a front two with Marcus Rashford against Palace and you noticed something. Yeah, I think he did a great job, first and foremost. I think that must be highlighted that in this pressing system, something that's completely brand new to this United team, he did his job. You know, he worked well with Marcus. And I think both of them, like when you look again at the kind of statty bits of heat maps and movement and directional flow and all of that stuff, Ronaldo did his job. But after 70-odd minutes, Ronaldo was shot. You could see it. So every time he got the ball, he looked like an old man about to fall over. He looked like I felt if I would be running around after 70 minutes, I would literally be falling over on the floor. So he looked really tired. And I think that's to be expected. So you've got to find a balance between keeping Ronaldo fresh for the 90 minutes. And this is why he stands still quite often. You know, in games, he takes that breather. But you know what, Scott? You can get away with that in Serie A. You can get away with that in La Liga. You can't get away with it in the Premier League. You just cannot because... uh, defences will push right up past you, play you offside, allow you to be in that end end and half, and that will be that because you're stood still. It's too easy to defend against. So I was pleased to see that he was part of that press and he bought in and Ranić has already talked yesterday about players buying into his system and that if they do not buy in, they've got no choice. And I like that. It was kind of tough talk without sounding like, you know, being passive aggressive or anything like that. It was just straight talking. And Cristiano did it for one game. Can he do it week after week after week? I'm not so sure because I think he will get tired. And I think there will be a point in the season where he's just like, no, I need to start running smart again. And that might be difficult then for Ranić to find a system to implement him in. So one game, 4-2-2-2, it works. I've called it a Ronaldo-friendly system. It is a Ronaldo-friendly system. But Cristiano, it's to see now that he doesn't pick up knocks. He doesn't pick up little injuries because when you're doing pressing and you're running like that at 36, you will get injured. You see it with Cavani all the time. He's a high energy player. What happens? He gets injured every three weeks. So that's a difficult thing to manage. And Cristiano's never had that. He's never really had lots of injuries. And he's done that by running smart and being the one guy in the system that doesn't have to run. But it didn't work at Juventus. And it didn't work in his end days at Real Madrid. You know, this is why they moved him out, because they wanted to go to a more high-energy system. Options there, but I think Ranić needs to solve that dilemma pretty quick. And and I don't mind if Ronaldo sits on the bench now and then. I just think it's United fan base that are so obsessed by Cristiano. You know, absolutely. You know, if he's not on a football pitch, it's just tears. It's like, you know, children at the school gates, you know, and... 
I, that's something again that Ranik needs to manage. But thankfully, I don't think he cares about that kind of thing. I think Ranik only cares about getting results and winning football matches. It is quite refreshing, isn't it? Actually, because I, I get where you're coming from in terms of people having tantrums about Ronaldo not starting. But there is there is a suggestion, or the last few years it has been perhaps that there's a there's a Ronaldo cult and there's a Messi cult, and they have to be in there all the time. But at 36, how many other players can you? think of who literally play every single game in the position that Ronaldo plays it is it the right time now to start rotating him in and out to get the best out of him absolutely 100% you know like Ronaldo wants to play every game and I totally get that and I want that I want a player of his caliber saying yes I'm up for the fight I want to play every game but you know what as a coach the most important thing you can do with sometimes with players is leave them out to manage them you know, this is why in English football, we call it management and not always coaching because it's about saying to players, right, this is the system. This is what I want to do. But you, everyone is as important as the next player. So, you know, Jesse Lingard should be as important as Cristiano Ronaldo. That's how you play team football. You find a way. So I think with Cristiano, it's not a case of phasing him out, but it's managing his minutes. And I think that if you bring Cristiano on with 30 minutes to go in certain games and you're playing a high-octane pressing system, he can absolutely do that, 100%. But you have to look after his body. And he can give you as many goals in 30 minutes as he does in 90 minutes. So I, I believe, like you used the word cult there, and it is absolutely true in football that, that there is a cultism that runs through um, football, especially I think the Premier League at the moment, where, where fans are fans of players rather than clubs. And it's something that's replicated from the NBA of supporting uh, a player rather than a team of going, that's a player I like. I like Michael Jordan. I like LeBron James. So I support these players and wherever they go, I go, I just support them. And United have found that with Ronaldo. And we've seen this. So people have been tweeting me. I've got no idea about Manchester United. They've never watched United before, but they love Ronaldo. So they watch United now. And suddenly they're experts on our football club. That's not true. So I think, yeah, with Ronaldo, let's, it, we should manage his minutes. And I want to see more deeper rotations without it affecting results. Can you imagine the consistent media meltdown of Ronaldo is left out of the squad and left on the bench? You've seen it a couple of times this season about when he has not started. I think it was the Everton game and one game recently as well where he didn't start. And it was essentially the end of the world. But two players who have not been seen quite as often, I think, Luke Shaw has been suffering from concussion, so I think that might be the reason why he's been out. But Luke Shaw and Aaron Wan-Bissaka have, in the last couple of weeks, not been seen, and Diogo Dallo and Alex Tellers have taken their place. Now, there seems to be a changing narrative. I don't know whether that's the right way to go about it, perhaps, uh, around these four players, because we haven't seen Dallo very often since he signed for United. We haven't seen Alex Tellez very often since he signed for United because Luke Shaw and Aaron Wan-Bissaka have been the go-to players. Now, to me, I think that there's a natural ability here to rotate or to pick the right player for the right game or to rest players when necessary. How do you see this one going down? Have Dallo or Tellez done enough to assume the first choice spot on either of those fullback positions so far? I wouldn't say done enough. No, you know, like they've they've played all of 90 minutes under Ranić, and, you know, as people listen to this podcast in the future, there might have been some more good performances from both players. They might not have even featured. We do not know. But what we do know is that Shaw and Wan-Bissaka 
were the first choice fullbacks for a reason. And the reason was that Oligon Solskjaer was playing 4-2-3-1. And there was probably seven or eight players that couldn't be dropped in that system because Ole trusted them. And rotating players to bring players in for players' sake and then losing games because of that rotation is not a good look. So I think that's why Ole did that. You've got to remember, it was only a year ago, Luke Shaw was the best left back in the world. So suddenly United fans think Luke Shaw is overweight and rubbish and not very good. He's only going to have two injuries this year, two concussions. You know, that does affect your form. These things do happen. But I think in Ranić's system in a 4-2-2-2, I still kind of feel that Shaw and Wamasaka will be the first choice fullbacks because they're probably the better players. What you'll see, I think, with Tellers and Delo is that if you're playing wingback systems in a 4-2-2-2, that they will just get more joy. You can play them more. You can rotate more. So you might see them come onto the pitch a little bit more in terms of substitution roles. So Wamasaka won't be doing 90 minutes. Shaw won't be doing 90 minutes. And these guys might come in and not just fill in, but actually thrive, you know, give United what they need. Uh, I've kind of said to you before, Scott, as well, you know, I I believe that fullback is the most important position on the pitch um, because it's about balance, about how you get your team from back to front. And fullbacks are the most important player in those systems, both in those wide functions. So I think United now have four very good fullbacks who can play that wingback system. And like someone you have to say to Wambasaka, you know, you've got to get better on the front foot, boy. You know, you've got to do it. You know, you were a winger at Palace when you were a child. Go and show us what you can do. Please go and learn to cross a ball. So I think he can do that. I think he's got the ability, but he also needs a coach to encourage him to do that. Because let's be honest, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was not really encouraging him to do that. You know, he was sitting and he was helping Lindelof and protecting the channel and all of that. And then this whole thing about tackling, it does my head in, you know, because he can tackle. So it's like, oh, we love him because he can tackle. It's like it's the most reductive football fan thing ever. I want to see him play football. I think he can do it he needs a coach to help him. Do you think Luke Shaw has been rather unfortunate in the sense that he's been unavailable for selection since the clip of Rangnick saying United need an upgrade in this position has circulated? Because I think that's probably worked against him in a sense in, in fans' eyes. But to me, I think he would actually fit quite well, right? Yeah, totally. And, and, and again, that, that's another thing I don't understand. Like Everything was explained that when that comment came out, that how old that comment was. So it was pre last before last season and it was after a game where Luke Shaw had a really bad game so he was in a bad patch of form then last season as I said for 12 months Luke Shaw was the best left fullback in the world bar none he was the best left back in the world he scores in the Europa League final or in the, in the Euro- European final for England you know he was fantastic at that tournament what happened he burnt out you know he started the season like a few players like Maguire like a few of them had been in tournament football they all look knackered and they were asked to kind of do their running again. So I've got no issues with that. I think he'll be fine. And I think in a wingback system, I think he will thrive because he's a front footed player. He wants to get beyond the full, he wants to get beyond the midfield. He wants to get to the forward line and he wants to cross that ball in. He will be absolutely fine. You've got to remember he got injured on the first day of the season against Leeds. It was quite a nasty knock. I was there kind of ended up on a kind of crumpled heap on the floor. And since then, he's had two concussions in two weeks. You know, so I, I think the guy needs a, to be pulled out. And I don't think he'll have any issues under Ranić. I think, if anything, Ranić's systems suit Luke Shaw more than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's systems did. I'm with you there. Uh, just before we go, because uh, we are going to wrap up pretty soon, but just before we go, 
Some relatively good news. Well, really good news, actually, in the sense that Rafa Varane has seemingly returned to training. Now, this isn't in the notes, but it's something that I've remembered. Uh, Ralph doesn't seem to suggest that he will be ready to return to full training until next week. And we are recording this ahead of the Young Boys game. I think that that's what he said. So it wouldn't surprise me if he missed out on the Norwich game because I don't think he'd be ready yet. But very important. Now, I've, I've been having debates this week about how good Ran- uh, uh, Rafa Varane has actually been for United with fans of other clubs because I think he's been really good and United have missed him a lot. Can you see him coming back in and assuming responsibility as a leader in the defence? Or do you think his return will be as important under Ranić as it would have been under Solskjaer? It will be important because I think when you look at the record, even under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, United didn't really lose many games with, with Varane at the heart of the defence. So whatever Solskjaer was doing in 4-2-3-1 being broken, it certainly wasn't affecting results when Varane was around. When Varane was injured, everything was falling apart. So it shouldn't be like that for a new player, should it? You know, he's only just come to the, to the football club. I think he'll be vitally important in the, in the weeks and months ahead, of course, for Man United, but I wouldn't rush him back. You know, there's no need to rush him back. Use what you've got. Use your players who are fit. I would even say to him, get yourself fit. Go to go to Dubai for a couple of weeks. Go and have a holiday. Get some sun on your back. Keep training. Train hard. And then come back and be ready. Get him fresh. Get him absolutely Premier League ready. Because I think that's been the issue. Is that Ole just rushed him back. He got injured again. He's gone. Injured players are of no use to managers. Absolutely not. And there's no good having this cycle of injuries. This is what we just said about Cristiano. You know, it's no good getting him injured and then him dropping in and out of the team because he'll lose form. So I think Varane is going to be a huge part of the, the campaign for United. And I think it's more his partnership with Maguire. How do you find a way to stop Man United hemorrhaging goals? The 4-2-2-2 we've sh- we, was absolutely evident with Lindelof is that if you play that high line, it really benefits the centre-backs at this football club. And Raphael Varane will love it. Ball at feet, high up the pitch, picking passes into midfield. He was born to do it. He could be the most important player at Manchester United this season if Man United have any type of success. Rafa Varane hopefully coming back soon. Just a reminder, we are recording this ahead of the Young Boys game, so that will be played, although United's position in the Champions League group is confirmed at the top. It should be a Champions League draw pretty soon, which uh, could interestingly pit United against Paris Saint-Germain, but we will see on that. I think that is approaching shortly. Uh, and it's a mixed bag, I think. They could get a giant. They could get a game that you would really expect them to go through, but we'll wait and see. As for the next few weeks, Norwich, Brentford, Brighton, Newcastle, Burnley, Wolves, taking United through the middle of December, right through until the new year and until the start of the FA Cup. Fingers crossed, that's six games that we would hope that United will win. But it doesn't always go like that, but it started quite well under Ralph Ranić in the Premier League. And we'll see how it goes. Remember to subscribe to our show. We're on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts and follow us on Twitter. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at PromisedLandMU. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. We'll catch you soon. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.